Amwar makes getting dressed easy. With a clothing rental membership from Amwar, build the perfect wardrobe with brands that are high quality, unique, and recommended just for you. All you have to do is take a five-minute style quiz and select items from your dynamic, personalized closet. The styles show up at your door in as little as two days. Then when you're ready for new clothes, just swap them out for new-to-use styles. Now, I mentioned on the podcast recently that I have been pregnant or breastfeeding for four and a half years, and that season of my life came to a close recently, and I was like, I forgot I can wear normal clothes again that don't need to be breastfeeding friendly or constantly changing in sizes with a postpartum body. And so now I'm left with trying to figure out, well, what do I wear? What is my style? I can't even remember. And styles have changed so much in the last few years. And so I've been having fun experimenting with different types of clothing. And I love that Amoir has allowed me to try some different styles of jeans and kind of step outside my comfort zone and figure out what I love, what works for my body type, and to not have spent money on things that I was like, "Mm, actually, this doesn't work after I wore it a few times and realized I don't really like it. And so it's been a great opportunity for me to try out some new things and help me to define my personal style. And I also love that the style quiz, the different suggestions that they gave after I took the style quiz, it was right in line with what I would want to wear. And so I have just loved this service and I would love for you to get to try it out and get a great deal. Right now, my listeners can give Amwar a try and get up to 50% off their first month. That's up to $125 off. Just visit amwar.style forward slash crystal. That is amwar.style A-R-M-O-I-R-E dot style slash crystal to get up to 50% off your first month and never worry about what to wear again. Try Amoire today. This episode is sponsored by Byheart, and I feel like I need to preface what I'm going to say with this. I'm a huge advocate of breastfeeding. Anyone who knows me well knows that nursing is something I believe in, and all five of our biological children were breastfed until they were 19 to 23 months old. However, we also have fostered and adopted, and I've been so grateful for formula companies in those situations. I'm also grateful for formula companies because our last two biological children, I really struggled with my supply and did all the things, spent so much time and effort and just was never able to produce enough for them to be able to gain weight and not be hungry. And so I was so grateful for companies like Byheart. Byheart is an infant nutrition company built from the ground up to deliver real innovation on behalf of babies and parents. Their mission is simple, make the best formula in the world. Using the latest in breast milk science, Byheart created a clinically proven, easy to digest infant formula that's made with organic, grass-fed whole milk, certified clean ingredients, and features a patented protein blend that gets closest to breast milk. They're made with certified clean ingredients. It has no soy, corn syrup, GMOs, or palm oil. Curious about Byheart? Redeem your welcome offer at byheart.com forward slash podcast with code crystal for a limited time. Additional terms and conditions apply. So go to byheart.com forward slash podcast and use crystal to get your welcome offer. 
Welcome to the Crystal Pain Show, where we help you embrace your life right where you are and give you practical steps to get to where you want to go. Whether you are in your car, folding laundry, cooking, cleaning, or maybe even just enjoying a cup of coffee and a few minutes of quiet, we're so glad you're joining us today. Here's your host, wife, mother of four, foster mom, entrepreneur, and author, Crystal Payne. Welcome to another episode of the Crystal Payne Show. Today, we're going to talk about goal setting for children. We got a great question that came in after last week's episode about our personal goals that we've set for the end of the year or the last five months of the year. And then someone was asking, okay, how do we kind of translate this idea of goal setting to children and to teenagers? She has a six-year-old and nine-year-old. And so we're going to talk about that and share some ways that we've encouraged our kids to set goals and just kind of the thoughts behind how we approach goal setting for our kids. So I think it's going to be a great discussion. But before we get to that, Jesse, hmm. I taught you something new this week, didn't I? He's giving me this wide-eyed look of like, what am I supposed to be Are remembering it, it, right is, now? Is this about the benefits of, of taping your mouth shut? Yes. So... I am very curious if our audience of podcast listeners has heard of and is practicing this thing called mouth taping. I had never heard of it before. I think we're going to try it. We're going to start it out. (sighs) Where both of us are going to test this out? No, just one of us, the, the one that... The one that talks more. We need to explain a little bit more because I realized if you just say mouth taping, people are like, what? That's actually what it's called. But it is this, I guess we could almost say movement of people. I heard that it's more people who are into holistic health mm-hmm. that they use a special kind of tape. You can use. Oh, it's, you can't use duct tape? <laughs> medical tape. Or I, it looks from what I've researched that they have special, like you can buy actual tape and stuff that's made for this mouth tape. But you tape your mouth at night before you go to bed so that you don't breathe out of your mouth. You only breathe out of your nose because there are a lot of health benefits Mm -hmm. to being a nose breather versus a mouth breather, especially all night long. Mm -hmm. You're supposed to be able to like um, take in more oxygen through nose breathing. Also, I guess it helps you with cavities. You don't get Mm -hmm. as many cavities, dentists say, and then you... Don't get sores in the corners of your mouth, which we're going to talk about in a second. Hmm. But then uh, another thing is people have been saying that they sleep so much more deeply, like they wake up feeling so much more rested. Mm -hmm. So I find this fascinating. I don't think I'm going to become a mouth taper, but I found out about this through this random thing. I had this sore on the side of kind of in the corner of my lips that had turned into where it had cracked and Hmm. so split and it was really hurting every time I talked, which was a lot. (laughs) Was a lot. You must have been in constant pain. (laughs) (laughs) And so it had I couldn't seem to find I was trying Neosporin, I tried Vaseline. I was almost thinking maybe I'm just gonna have to stop talking. But then I Ask on the internet got lots of great suggestions of things. Aquaphor was one of the highest recommended things, as was Lysine. 
or Lizine. Mm. I don't know. You, I don't know how you pronounce it, but it's L I S I N E. Also, people said that it could be a vitamin B deficiency or other vitamin deficiency. But in the process of us having this conversation on my Instagram, I'm the money saving mom on Instagram. By the way, if you're not following me, I'd love for you to follow because you'll learn things like <laughs> mouth taping. <laughs> But I found this Blistex in my purse, this, this tube. I don't even know where it came from. Maybe I was at some conference and sometimes they'll give you little goodie bags or something. Mm-hmm. It was in there, but it was the medicated balm. And I started using that. And within a few hours of applying it, I already could tell a difference. Mm-hmm. And within 24 hours, it was almost completely healed. So, so was it basically dried skin or was it an actual sore, like a cold sore? I don't really know that because by the time I didn't really take time to analyze it and then it had split. And so by then, then it just feels like dried skin. I'm not sure, but I have been having some skin issues and I think a lot of it has to do with me nursing exclusively and not taking my prenatal vitamins, which you're supposed to do after you have a baby. And I've just gotten kind of lazy and also my vitamins, just the thought of taking them makes me really nauseous, but that's a bad excuse. So I've been taking them the last three days. We'll see if my skin gets better. But back to mouth taping. So people were saying that you can get these sores on the cracks, cracked sore lips on the sides, especially of your lips by drooling at night. And so if you are a mouth breather, I guess drool comes out and that can crack the sides of your lips, which is kind of not really great to think about. Um, So then that's when people started saying, oh, yes, I do this thing called mouth taping. And then I fell down that rabbit hole and learned all sorts of things about that. But the funny thing was, Jesse, when I explained to you all about the health benefits and what this mouth taping thing was, what was the first thing you said? Um, let's try it during the day. <laughs> what are you doing on your computer? Are you researching something? Um, I just found a, something that said it, it's a person on average that is a mouth breather while sleeping eats up to four spiders in their sleep. So I guess that's another reason for taping your mouth. <laughs> My thing is that I'm afraid I will wake up in the middle of the night and think that I've been kidnapped because somebody has gagged hey, me. But here's the deal. You'll be the hero in some way, shape, or form. Like I always am in my dreams. The other thing, someone asked, how do you yawn if you have your mouth taped? So I learned something interesting about something similar, and that is when you are in REM sleep that your body is somewhat paralyzed. Yes. That the, that was doc- fascinating. A doctor friend was just telling us this the other day, and I'm like, I need to research this. That was very fascinating, too. And that was connecting. He was connecting it with sleep apnea. So it was fascinating. I wonder if there's any correlations with mouth breathing with that. So, But I I need to know if my podcast audience is doing this mouth taping thing because I was shocked. I'd never heard of it before. And then I I shared a few things that people had written in on Instagram. And so many of my followers had heard of it, not only, but were doing it. Mm-hmm. And I was like, wow, well, I guess I've been living under a rock. Does it work? Well, all these people seem to think it did, but I, I don't know. I, I, I got to think about it some more. I don't know that it's for me, but... Maybe if I keep having these sores on the sides of my mouth, then 
I'll circle back around to that. So that's maybe, maybe the next podcast. That's not what saving my is saving my life. Although actually, I, it could be ending your life. I guess anyway. <laughs> I should say that Blistex medicated balm yeah. has saved my life this week, and I would highly recommend it. Jesse, you have a book update for us. I heard. I do. Um, I know we took quite the hiatus uh, while we were. Uh, going through the postpartum after Michael was born, we were. I love, I love the we. Listen, I thought, it, I thought it was you were going to very say, difficult for me as well. So. I thought you were going to say while we were having Micah, and I was going to be like, "Excuse me." It was really hard. <laughs> or after we had Micah, <laughs> you wouldn't have been able to do it if it wasn't for me. That's true. You did have one very <laughs> short, important part, and that was it. No, no. You have been such a huge help. I'm so grateful. Okay, back to In, what you were anyway, saying. Anyway, um, one of my favorite authors uh, released a book while we were in our um, waiting recovery. period. Reca- recovery. From that hard labor. <laughs> and so I've been reading that. And uh, Brad Thor's book, uh, Rising Tiger. Uh, it's the 21st book in his uh, Scott Harvath series. Uh, it's about the Chinese influence in Indian politics. So you've read all 21 books? Read or listened. And my question is, how does an author write 21 very thick books in one series and not run out of things I guess I never run out of things to say either. <laughs> Just to get myself a He does a really good job. But and that's it's like to keep your audience interested and engaged for twenty one thick books. That's that's impressive. Well, and when you, and especially in these kinds of books in this series, very geopolitical, and it is amazing how many things that he's written about in his novels that actually become front page stories mm. within a, a year or two after writing. Mm. That's you're like, Hmm. So you have a little window into yeah. what's to come. It's just because they, they, a lot of these books that I read draw from current events as they're happening and then just extrapolating from, Oh, this is where they possibly could go. And in a lot of cases, that's the case where they end up. I have a book update, and that is I am reading a few different books right now, but one of them that I'm loving is Raising Emotionally Strong Boys by David Thomas. I'm super excited because we actually get to have him in studio. It's planned um, later on this week. I have so many questions that I want to ask him, especially now that I have or that we have a son who is a teenager and then two boys up and coming. It is such a good book for helping your son have tools to walk through life. Mm-hmm. Um, emotionally strong is just it really, I'm not all the way through the book, but the first few chapters talking about how boys can tend to have outburst or feel frustration in a very physical way. Like when something is upsetting, I think, you know, I don't like to box any child in like, oh, you're a boy, this is how you respond. Mm -hmm. But by and large, I've definitely seen that Silas, and you can be the same way. So when you're excited about something, you use 
your body, as in like if you're watching a sports thing, show, you're not just, or, sorry, if you're watching a sporting event, so a basketball game or something like that, you're going to be almost participating in the event as in you're going to be helping them. Like the other day we were watching the CrossFit games and they were trying to lift these weights and you just naturally, like your body was trying to like jerk the weight up with them. And I was laughing so hard, but I think you respond. That's just naturally how you're going to respond. And so when you are angry or when you are passionate about something, when boys are irritable or frustrated or have gotten some really bad news or something that is just feels very overwhelming. Mm-hmm. How can you teach them to respond so that they are keeping their emotions in check and responding in a healthy mm-hmm. way? And it just goes through so many different things that I find really fascinating and also really helpful as a parent of boys and teaching them and giving them tools to respond well. And we've already started implementing some of them and just seeing with Silas how, you know, it's just been really encouraging to me. And also the thing that has been encouraging to me is to see how he is being emotionally strong Mm -hmm. in ways. And I've been able to call that out and to express how much I appreciate that and what that is a show sign of character on his part and maybe something that I wouldn't have noticed before because I didn't recognize that that's actually something that he was doing that took emotional strength. And Mm -hmm. Well, one thing that I appreciate is that we talk about these things quite often with him and as far as what is the correct response given this certain situation, whatever that situation might be, you know, what are the different ways that you can respond and what is the best of those ways to respond? Well, and one thing that this past year we've talked so much about is what can you control? Mm -hmm. And so if you're getting really frustrated about something that is completely outside of your control, that's just wasted frustration. And so we talk a lot about, you know, what are the two things you can control? You can control your attitude and you can control your effort. So especially when he's doing sports, he can't control how the umps or the refs, you know, how they're going to make calls. He can't control how his coach is going to coach. He can't control how the other team is going to play. He can't control how his teammates are going to play, but he can control his attitude and his effort. And so I just feel like it goes so much along with a lot of the conversations that we've been having and Mm -hmm. just giving me even more tools to have these conversations well. And then as parents to really step back and say, how am I demonstrating this in a healthy way or in a dysfunctional way? And how can I work on improving this as well? And so I've been convicted in reading this book of areas where I need to work on some things. And so again, that's Raising Emotionally Strong Boys by David Thomas. We'll be talking about that more in a future episode when we will have him on and glean a lot of wisdom from him. So today's podcast inspiration, like I said at the beginning, comes from a listener. Her name is Christina, and she said, I enjoyed the latest show on your family goals. I was wondering if your older children set their own goals, and if they do, what does that process look like? I have a nine and six-year-old that I would love to help define small and large goals for themselves, but I'm not sure how to translate my personal and business goal-setting process to something that is exciting for younger children. 
As I thought about this, goal setting is something, Jesse, that you and I have always prioritized. It's mm-hmm. been a big part of even before we were married, we set big goals together. And all throughout our marriage, we have prioritized goal setting. And so I think that the first step to helping your children set goals is to model it for them. Do they see you demonstrating goal setting? Do they hear you talking about it? Is it something that they're watching you walk it out? So much is caught more than taught a lot of the time. Mm -hmm. And so if you want your children to prioritize goal setting, you have to prioritize it yourself. And so it sounds like this woman is, but I just wanted to start with that because I feel like that really sets the foundation for things. And I think of back to my childhood and my parents, I remember that they wanted to be out of debt. And so I remember being a young child and my parents kind of talking about it. And I wasn't really old enough to understand what that exactly meant, but it was conversation that was happening that I was picking up on. And when I was 10 years old, they had, we sold our house that they had paid off. And I remember it was just that, that monumental sort of thing. They paid off our house and then we sold it and moved to this construction trailer out on land that they'd also purchased debt-free. And they had been saving after they'd paid off their house to be able to build a house in the country. And so just walking that journey with my parents and I was still young, but it left a mark on me. And so watching my parents set that goal and then work hard for that goal and the sacrifices that we all made as a family to achieve that goal, that is really a big part of what inspired us with our financial goals. And Mm -hmm. so you never know how your kids are picking up on things and how it's going to impact them for the rest of their life. I think, you know, just like I talked about with my parents, involving them in it as well. So how can you bring your kids along? When we had set the goal that we wanted to buy a house and pay cash for it, inspired again by my parents, um, our kids were really little. So there wasn't really a way for us to bring them along in that because they were just so small. They didn't, you know, we talked about it, but other than that, it wasn't really impacting their life Mm -hmm. in a way that they understood because they'd always just lived in these small rentals. So that's all they knew. But as they got older, then we bought a house with cash and then ended up, that was in Kansas, and then ended up making the decision to move to Tennessee. And we were just going to kind of test the waters of being in Tennessee. And so we made the decision that we were going to rent again, which meant that we downsized. And then we wanted to, if we were going to stay long-term here to pay cash for a house. And so we knew that we couldn't do that where we were financially then. So we rented a house that was smaller than the house that we had in Kansas. We then had our house in Kansas as well as two other small houses that we'd purchased there as rentals. And during all of that season, then our kids, all three of them shared a bedroom and it was a small bedroom and they had a bunk set of bunk beds and then a trundle bed that was under the bunk beds. And so their room was basically just beds. You know, they could push the trundle bed under and then have more space, but it was a tight room. And we had lots of conversations about 
you all are sharing your room because this allows us to continue to save a lot of money to be in this rental house so that we can eventually pay cash for a house here in Tennessee. And so just involving them by having those conversations, but then tangibly they were making sacrifices as well. Mm -hmm. And so then once we were in a place to be able to pay cash for a house by selling the three houses that we owned in Kansas and saving up more money, they were able to reap the fruit of that goal by them each individually having their own room. And I just think that's something that they won't forget. And I hear them talk about that a lot of like, we all shared a room for a long time and now we have our own rooms and just seeing like you work hard, you make sacrifices and it pays off. And so how can you model it for them, talk about it and involve them in it? I think that's where it starts. No, I agree. And, and honestly, the talking about it conceptually, not worrying about getting down into the weeds and applying your own system, because you know what I've learned with just with us two and in, in setting our goals. Your system is your system alone. Mm-hmm. You can't take your system and make it somebody else's because they won't follow it because they don't have ownership. And so when you take you know a, something that you have um, perfected that works well for yourself you can't expect for your kids to pick up on that unless they've somehow taken ownership of that system as well. Well, I think also recognizing their interest, their personality type, and kind of what is going to motivate them. Mm -hmm. And I think of Caitlin, she's very artistic and creative. And so when she has set goals, she will usually make some really beautiful vision board or something that's very artistic to kind of articulate this goal and mm-hmm. and to be able to then see her progress towards the goal. Catherine is, I would say, more maybe linear. I don't know the correct terminology, but she, for instance, has set some financial goals for herself and she's saving really hard towards those goals right now. And for her, the motivation is her getting on her app on her phone that shows how much money she has in her bank account. And she checks Mm -hmm. that very consistently, always, you know, seeing how much money she's spent, how much money she's saved and just seeing that number rise and knowing, okay, by the, you know, she will set a goal of, okay, by the end of this week or by the end of this month, I want that number to be X amount. And that's very motivating for her. And that motivates her to not spend money mm-hmm. and to work hard at her job and take extra hours when she's able to, in order to see that that um, number rise. And so kind of figuring out what is going to motivate your child, not putting them into a box mm-hmm. of, this is how we do goal setting, like you were saying. And I think to keep it simple. And one thing that we've done is to not say, you need to set X amount of goals or like we expect you to set goals, but we demonstrate it. We involve them in it. We talk about it. We talk about our own goals. And then we just ask them. Mm-hmm. So typically on their birthday, you'll take them out we each take them out individually for their birthday, usually on some kind of date. And both of us, it's not something we ever really talked about, but I think both of us, it just naturally comes, we'll say, 
what are your goals for this next year? And we also will ask them that at the beginning of the year because we're talking about our goals and we'll just say, what are your goals for this year? But not being like, well, you need to set three goals and I need you to have them written down and, you know, create a spreadsheet for them just to, just to ask them. And Mm -hmm. as we've done that, it's pretty typical that they've already thought about it and they'll have one or two or three goals that they have for themselves. And then that kind of opens up the door for us to have the conversation. Sometimes they will have set a dream mm-hmm. um, or an idea. Like we talked about last week of, you know, saying, I want to do more of this. And so well, then we'll kind of ask more questions to mm-hmm. challenge them Just to actually turn it into bit. an actual goal. Well, what's the number, you know, where do you want to be by Catherine? And I actually just a few nights ago had a conversation about goal setting because she told me I set this goal to have X amount saved by the end of the year. And I said to her, I think you can save more than that. And she's like, I don't know if I can. And I said, well, why don't you go back and look at how many weeks you've worked and what your average earnings is per week. And then let's count how many weeks are left in the rest of the year and, you know, kind of figure out. And so she did that. And it was, so it was me just asking, you know, challenging her a little bit, but then encouraging her to do the research Mm -hmm. and look at it. It took her a few minutes and she goes, oh, you're right. I, I could, I could definitely save more than that. And so then she told me the next day, she's like, mom, I bumped my goal up and here's my new goal. And so sometimes it's just like a little bit of challenging Mm -hmm. them, but at the same time, not saying this is the amount that I think you right. should try to save. It was more me saying, I think you can do more than that. Let's look at how much you've already done and let's look at how many weeks you have left. And so kind of just having those conversations, but ultimately letting them decide. And, you know, I said, it's fine if that's the goal you want to set and that's what you feel like is good, but I, I, I bet you could do more than that. And so keeping it simple and letting them be the driver in, in the driver's seat and not making them feel like you're projecting on them. This is what you have to do, or this is what is expected of you. Because I think that takes away the joy. If, if you have set the goal for them, then it's not their goal. It's your goal. And they're not going to be motivated as much to take ownership because it's you telling them what to do. It becomes kind of this duty, mm-hmm. this drudgery sort of thing rather than this excitement and this delight because they want to do this and they're enthusiastic about it. And finally, I think just being their cheerleaders. And, you know, your kids are going to set some goals that they're not going to hit, just like you've probably set goals. I know I've set goals that I haven't <laughs> hit um, many goals. More often than not. But being excited for any progress that they're making instead of being like, wow, I thought you were going to do X and you, you know, only did half of that being like, look at you. Like you did this, you know, you set the goal to do it a hundred days and you did it 17, 17 days is better, you know, better than no days. And so let's, let's focus on celebrating the progress that they make any momentum, any traction that they have, celebrate that because that's going to then fuel their desire to do even more. Mm -hmm. And so Christina said, you know, her kids are six and nine. I think at that point, it's, they're just kind of, I would say, 
dabbling in goal setting and they're probably going to fail a lot more than they succeed. And this is a great time for them to just learn and for you to cheer them on as they learn and for you to ask those curious questions, to encourage them, to help them kind of shape and understand what a goal is that needs to be realistic and measurable and, you know, that they can actually tell you when they've accomplished it. But you're just helping them be excited about this whole process. And one thing that might be fun is even helping them come up with some rewards along the way that maybe you decide that you're going to fund those rewards. So if you hit this, you know, then we're going to do this or um, we're, we can go on a special date or we're going to have this fun family thing that we'll do, or maybe you buy them some particular item that they want or take them to do something that they've been wanting to do. And so you're helping encourage them and, just continue to fuel that enthusiasm for them to stick with it. So overall, I think it's the example that you set. I think it's how you approach it, making sure that you're helping them take ownership of it. And then that you're just continuing to encourage and cheerlead again and again and again. That's really what parenting is. (laughs) It's, you know, I would say you think of the word training, you think of you know, Olympic athletes, they don't just go, let's say it's a swimmer. They are not just going to go jump in the pool the day before the Olympics. It's practicing over and over and over and making mistakes, learning from those mistakes, making tweaks, making progress, microscopic progress sometimes. And that's a lot of what parenting is. It's doing the same thing over and over and over and over. And just little bit by little bit by little bit, you start to see the results happen from that. So if you're discouraged, if you feel like, you know, my kids are so far from being able to set goals, um, just tiny baby steps over time, modeling for them, talking about it and encouraging them can go a long way. We'd love to hear from you. What advice, ideas, practical tips, suggestions do you have for helping kids when it comes to goal setting? Send an email to crystal at moneysavingmom.com. We'll love to read your responses and I hope you have a great week and we will see you next time. Thank you for joining us today. For more great resources, please visit crystalpain.com.